Welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something's Melts of Five Star Projects, an ongoing series within the Let Me Tell You Something canon where me, your co-host Lorcan Mullen, and your other co-host Simon Cross discuss every match that we can get our hands on that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. Whilst this time last year we were just finishing off the fifth match of the year so far to be given five stars in like the first week... God, January last year sucked. <laughs> well, in comparison, then January of this year sucked even worse because we only got two five-star matches or five-star plus matches. Pitiful. Simon, what was the second five-star match that we are covering for this year in this episode? Well, my dear Lorcan and my dear listeners, do you like title belts? Because we've got two of them! This is a ladder match for the undisputed TNT Championship between Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. I believe this is the first time I'm aware of an interim title being used in wrestling. There have been times when the champions had to vacate due to various issues and then come back with their original belts to challenge the, the new champion with the other version of the same belts. Most recent example I can think of being Sami Zayn returning with the Intercontinental title. Whilst was it AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy that were were the one of those two was the actual champion at the time. Oh god, I can't remember. And that was essentially an homage or a repeat of the most famous example of this being in 1993 and 94, where Shawn Michaels left the WWE briefly due to either a drug test failure or a failure to attend a drug test i can't remember which one it was now and the then vacant intercontinental championship being won by razor ramon but Shawn michaels turning up with his intercontinental championship belt and claiming he was still the champion and it finally getting resolved five months after he came back in the ladder match at wrestlemania 10 like most things involving cody rose what should take five months is paid off in about one (laughs) ah ah Ah, in this specific case, and the reason it was interim and not vacated, Cody had COVID. And they really wanted a title match for Battle of the Belts, hence why Sammy fought Dustin Rhodes for an interim title. Mm. And I suppose it's another way of looking different. And it's something that's more common. I mean, we've just had an interim heavyweight UFC champion fight a, a heavyweight UFC champion. And we may have an interim soon, depending on what Francis decides to do. I think there must... It feels at this rate there's been almost as many interim heavyweight champions in the UFC as there have been heavyweight champions in the UFC. Cursed division. Yeah, kind of from day one. I think the most defences anyone's ever managed with that belt is like four. Maybe? I'm not sure. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. But what we're talking about here is the TNT Championship... Uh, essentially the television championship of but with the name of the actual television network that it used to be on i suppose uh back and forth although this is now on tbs on tbs they're fine with the tnt title what's going on 
It's all Turner, isn't it? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's part of the Umbrella organisation. Yeah. And now I'm imagining it like the Shineheart Wig Corporation, only NBC and 30 Rock, that like <laughs> actually an umbrella company that makes umbrellas are the ones that own <laughs> Turner. After the AOL merger, they, their stock did fall quite dramatically. Yeah. So it's not impossible. But what we're talking about here is a match involving Cody Rhodes as well. His second five-star match, I believe, after... The one against Dustin Rhodes, right at the birthing of what became AEW. And also the first five-star match for Sammy Guevara. And I believe the fourth match involving a ladder within the gimmick of the match. There might have been a ladder used as a weapon in another match for Dave Meltz to give five stars to. The other three being the aforementioned Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon match at WrestleMania 10. Then there was a long gap in between. An awful long gap. And then fairly close together, I suppose, there was the NXT North American Championship ladder match. Here's a challenge for you, Simon. Can you even name who all the six entrants were in that match? Whilst you're doing that, I'll just list that the other one is the Escala de Muertes, or something along those lines, match between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros in the earliest forms of AEW, I think before Dynamite was even a show, for the AAAR Tag Team Championships. And this is the fourth. We may be wrong, but this is just from my immediate recollection. Talking about immediate recollection, Simon, have you named them? Lovely. Uh, right. Uh, five-star Lars Sullivan. He did. Before Brian Danielson, yeah. there was Lars Sullivan. Uh, Ricochet. Killian Dane. Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, and EC3. Yeah, basically his sole highlights of his aborted NXT and WWE run. He took one nasty-ass bump in that match. Mm. I think it was his debut, wasn't it, as well? Yes. Re-debut, I suppose. Yeah. But to get to this match, then. I mean, a constant bugbear and, and something we've alluded to, and I think we actually allude to it in an episode that we've already recorded that hasn't gone out yet, about how divisive a figure Cody Rhodes is now in both off-screen and on-screen. I mean, the big thought leading into this recent Royal Rumble was that there was a, a mild chance that he was going to be there. Because he is apparently a free agent at the moment. That he's working on a handshake deal with yeah. AEW. His contract expired. I think that very much links into his road to the top storyline arc. I don't know. I've not watched the show, but I don't know either. I mean, I mean, when it when the news was released, I said oh, they've deliberately. It's them that's released this info. Yeah. To get people gossiping about the Royal Rumble, but it was funny because that was the rumor. But then it was pretty much quashed by the time of this match. You know, the Royal Rumble hadn't happened when this match occurred. But really, no one was even thinking about it at that point. No. Maybe they went too early? Well, what? Cody Rhodes getting involved in a storyline that pays off too early? I know, I know. Just try and get your head around the concept if you can, Morgan. <laughs> I think... I'm being, uh, to be fair, I'm maybe going too much into the jokes at Cody Rhodes' expense. I don't hate him. I think he's talented. I think he's a good wrestler. 
and I do think he's a an emotional manipulator of the crowd. But I just, I mean, I've never, I've never enjoyed most wrestling that has the shoot element to it. And this is far too shoot infused and far too self referential, far too up its own ass as far as I'm concerned. And my big problem with it, and I've said this before, is these storylines that Cody Rhodes keeps like cycling through super quick only benefit Cody mm. really. No one comes out of it looking better from their dealings with Cody for the most part. Malachi Black looked great with his first win, but then he's like dragged down by the subsequent rest of the storyline. And now he just kind of feels like just another character. Well, he's sort of... Brody King's debut sort of helped yeah, him but, like assuage with, that wound. But that has nothing to do with Cody, is my point. No. Same with Brody Lee when he is TNT run with the belt. You know, he has this great win over Cody, but it ultimately is just to lose the belt back to Cody. A damn fine dog collar match, though. And also, and again, I, I, I don't want to sound like a Cody apologist, but then Brody's health issues kicked in. Well, yeah, of course. But my point is that he didn't look any better coming out of the Cody match, I thought, than he did when he went into I it. Don't think he ha- I don't think there was time to yeah. develop anything, sadly. Less than a, a month ago, Cody was going through a flaming table in death matches involving Andrade. I'll give you the Andrade one. I'll absolutely completely give you that one. The Anthony Agogo storyline, which even he admits is a wet, was a wet fart of a match. Yeah. And just that general sense that he's this... Part Triple H, part John Cena, also part Miz character as well with his whole reality show with his wife element to it. Yeah. Too. And... And talent show, talent show judge as well. It's it's weird. I mean, yes. I've not watched any Go Big Show yet, but it seems to be like a cross between America's Got Talent, but they also... But they get involved a lot more. Like, people do stuff with them. I find it very telling that Snoop Dogg binned it off after one season, and now it's T Pain who's replaced him. Oh man, when you got when you start with Snoop Dogg and end up with T Pain, that's not a trade deal anyone can be proud of. That's no slight against T Pain, but no, I'm sure he's great fun on a boat. Yeah, Reca- recounting the ways that he fucked a man. <laughs> Fuck land, he climbs boys, motherfucker. Mm. And you know what? These two climb plenty of, not boys, but ladders. That was a very tortured segue. Yeah, yeah, you'd hope they don't climb any boys. Although, Cody Rhodes hands his weightlifting belt to a boy at one point. God, I wondered where you were going with that. Yes, <laughs> and, that, and to like, go back to like Cody. Cody tries to be like the strong man. Not necessarily like the bad man in this match, but he, he portrays himself as the strong man. He does his bicep flex early. He like shoulder checks Sammy to the mat very early on and sets the precedent of, I have, I have strength. And then Sammy immediately does like a backflip escape. Like, I'm quick as fuck, boy. What are you going to do? But it's hard to... I mean, Cody does do... Play up the heelish element. And he does that when he's in matches with faces. You know, he did that beforehand with Darby Allen. And he'll do that in any TNT title matches when he was the champ against another babyface. And he did the whole good luck kid to Sammy before their previous yeah. match where Sammy had lost the title to Cody. Mm. But he's still doing... It's like the Bret Hart working as heel face or... Heel face! Cat dog! 
Or Sasha Banks in the Bianca Belair WrestleMania match. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're playing it crafty. And it's hard to be a heel in a match where you're just both hitting each other with weapons. There's no cheating, per se, in these sorts of matches. If anyone cheats in this match by getting someone to interfere on their behalf, you could argue it's Sammy Guevara, since it's Fuego Del Sol who turns up to tell Cody to not hurt his friend so much. Well, yeah. A mutual friend of Cody and Sammy Fuego del Sol, if uh, dark storylines are to be believed. That's another thing that I found interesting Look, going into this match was that Sammy Guevara had a win-loss record of 26-14. Yeah. That was always my problem with these sorts of win-loss records. Ultimately, he doesn't look like he's that good. If he's only on 26-14. They do do the annual reset. So at this time of year, you do see people who were a little bit flagging suddenly come out of nowhere because they have a hot January. Yes. Did you have a hot January? <laughs> no. <laughs> cold, cold as hell in here. And yeah. there are only two five-star matches to talk about. So compared to last year, frigid. Yeah. It was barely worth getting up in the morning. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into the nuts and bolts of whether this match was actually a good match or not. What I will say about this match is that uh, ultimately, I think in a ladder match, what you want to see, if nothing else, is an innovative spot. Because there's a formula to these matches, and there has been for a very long time. Really, since the Hardys and Edge and Christian at No Mercy 99, the basis of nearly every ladder match since then is for it to be high spots and inventive new ways of using the ladder. You know, from the moment that... Jeff Hardy used the ladder in order to do a leapfrog from the top rope. Yeah. Which gets one-upped in this match by Sammy. What you're looking for is at least one spot. You're looking for that edge spearing Jeff Hardy off the... What would you call it? The hanger, I suppose. And there is a hanger spot, actually, in this match. But it doesn't really work. It's just they both fall. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was meant to... They were meant to cling on a bit longer than they did there. It's not smooth perfect, this match, in terms of, like, there are there are a couple of foibles to it. Yes. When Sammy goes for a springboard cutter off the railing whilst Cody's high-fiving all the fans. And Cody just seems to take the bump weirdly. He lands on his knees. Yeah. And doesn't look like... I mean, JR had to do the classic. He didn't get all of it. Yeah, that, that's always, like, the get-out clause, isn't it? For like that, a commentator like puts on someone, but that was fine enough. And let's face it, as cutters go, it's not the one that's going to be remembered from this match, is it? No, it's of course not. And so, as far as inventive spots, I can think of at least three. There's Cody using the ladder for a figure four leg lock. Yep. As JR says, reminiscent of Bret Hart's ring post figure four leg lock. Because you literally can't turn around and reverse it. No, you'd have to flip the ladder as well, which you can't yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And there was also Cody opening the ladder, but putting it upside down, so it's sort of like a V-shape. And then front suplex, gore-bustering Sammy, so his ribs hit the, the hinges. And what was super clever about that as well is not only is he hurting his stomach, but the two sides of the ladder slam in and essentially 
hit him on both sides of his ribs. <laughs> like when you put the sandwich toaster down and the cheese oozes out, out the mm. side. Mm. But the spot... I mean, this will be probably on the opening of Dynamite for years to come. Yeah. This is the edge spearing Jeff Hardy off a ladder spot, I suppose. Which is Sammy doing a double jump cutter from the top rope to the smaller ladder to catching Cody reaching for the belts and cutting him to the mat. Massive assist to Aubrey Edwards for holding the ladder in place. Well, that was a funny thing, actually, because I was thinking when I watched the first part of the match, because it does go... There is a there's a wrestling sequence for, like, two or three minutes where you almost could forget it was a ladder match. Yeah. And the reason I somewhat forgot it was a ladder match... Well, I didn't forget it was a ladder match, but I just thought... I just noticed Paul Turner in the ring. And I was just thinking to myself, you know what? Paul Turner probably is maybe the... Maybe Paul Turner's the best referee working right now in any promotion. And then I realised, why would a referee need to be in the ring for a ladder match? Yeah. <laughs> it's, to, it's to get the ladders out of the way. Like, when they do their hanging spot later, I think it, 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 keeps, it keeps the wrestlers safe. And uh. That's fine. I get that they're there to steady ladders to check the health of them when they after they've taken a, a bump and also someone's got to tell the ref to ring the bell so there, there always are referees outside the ring during the ladder match but there was literally no reason for paul turner to be in the ring so it's just a weird little thing that i just noticed yeah because i mean i'm gonna say right off i'm not giving this match five stars fair enough i would go four i think and at times i wasn't sure if i would go there but because of those innovative spots because of that cutter and there were hints at a ladder match i want to see but they didn't go that far ah now you're hitting on i think think we're like-minded there because what i like about this match is a it was a singles ladder match and we don't actually in american wrestling see a lot of those anymore sadly it's usually the money in the bank where they're hamstrung in their own way because they have to do two of the same thing on one night yeah it's the influence of the edge and christian hardy's dudley boys because that allows a, a greater frequency of spots yeah but then you just get people queuing like it's like the rumble like oh i'll do my bit go to a corner or go outside the ring in ladder matches case but what this did um we've alluded to it at the start alluded to the start it established i'm big you're fast i'm crafty your resilience. I'm wily. I'm a veteran. You'll do anything. <laughs> You're reckless. You've, you've, you feel recklessness. I'm arrogant and somewhat deluded and constantly looking to the crowd for approval. You're cocky and a showman. Yes. Yeah. If people were like just scrolling through television and saw this match cold from the start and didn't really know the story, didn't know all like, the layers, extra layers, they could easily pick up like who people were in this match quite quickly. And I like the fact that the ladders were used, but they were used. Yes, there were like, we, the cutter was like a really flashy spot, but first they were used purely to debilitate the opponent rather than like, there's, there's only like really once or twice where someone's climbing a ladder and you think you could have grabbed the belts by now. Well, what bothers me is when they climb the ladder and they're nowhere near the belts. Yeah. 
but they need it for the spot. That's what always drives me crazy. You need to give me a good reason why something's there, why you've set something up. Are you on about the um, suplex? Yeah, the suplex spot. Why is Sammy climbing there when he knows he's nowhere near the ladder? Look, there's some element of psychology in that moment because Cody goes to reach for the belts, realises he can't reach them from where he is, and so instead takes the moment to hit the superplex, and that was probably the other fourth big move and... You know, the fact that he's able to do, like, a British Bulldog-style delayed vertical suplex. I think the delay helped from a safety perspective as well. I'm not sure how, but I feel like if they'd done that just, like, quick, like, fast, A, the ladder might have wobbled, and B, Sammy's maybe got less time to, like, prep for the bump. Yeah, but if you're also Cody Rhodes and you've got to hold someone up on there on a very small surface area, and if you wobbled... Uh, True, true. You know, I'd rather it was one continuous motion, personally. Okay. Just when things exist for spots, that's the thing that bothers me. Or when, like, Sammy thinks he's trapping Cody after he's done the cutter spot, but Cody can just lift him out, and it's just like, well, he's very clearly not trapped him. The only time I can remember of that spot working really well was when Jeff Hardy pulled Edge by his legs so that he's dangling Mm. halfway up the ladder. And he can't get out. Yeah, because he can't put. It, he can't get the grip to like yeah. pull himself out. Yeah. yeah, that makes more sense than what you know. Cody putting just Sammy putting him there. It's like it's like Marge saying, "Homer, don't you eat this pie." <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Homer does take a nice bump after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unprotected headshots. They've got to got to get rid of those. Really. H- Homer and McFoley are one of a kind. There. Mm-hmm. So, no, what what I meant in the ladder match I'd like to see is in those brief moments that you see, three spots really, where Cody targets Sammy Guevara's knee or his leg. Yeah. Very early on, just in the trade-offs in the ring, he does something to Cody's leg and he's like, he catches his leg or something and, Co- and Sammy kicks him off and he's like, ah, I could get you. When he gets the weightlifting belt, he whips. He whips the leg, the leg, not the back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like only just like the ankle. And he only does it once as well. Annoyingly. Yeah. But again, that's a real heel thing to whip someone with a belt, you know? Well, Maju Hogan did it. <laughs> yeah, it's a Hollywood Hogan thing. Yeah. And then the the ladder figure four. So if he'd have built that up during the whole time like, imagine if Hiroshi Tanahashi had to do a ladder match. That's what Tanahashi would be doing. Oh, yes. Although to be fair, I think he did do a ladder match against Kenny Omega. But if Hiroshi Tanahashi had to make a Hiroshi Tanahashi match. And then the fun is in the drama of the climb. If you've got limb work, like a great Tanahashi Suzuki match, one guy's legs are completely fucked. And so it takes them forever to climb up the ladder. But maybe that guy in return targets the other person's shoulder. So whenever they go up to try and reach for the belt, they're in so much agony that they can't bring it down. Like, That's the kind of ladder match I want to see. Okay. For like, maybe like 20 seconds, we we could have had that in this. But it then just did become like, let's do a ladder match, but as a singles. It was modern ladder patch styled in terms of they wanted to get the spots in. Yeah, and that also leads to problems because all these spectacular big moves and then just such quickly they're back to where they were. Yeah. I mean, Sammy doesn't sell the effects of 
anything when he's sitting on that ladder with both belts. And sometimes you don't do that. I remember Austin saying after a, after a Dolph Ziggler ladder match, actually, against Luke Harper, that he thought Dolph didn't need to sell that much from his victory. That it's okay as the victors to just kind of rub it off as like, you've won, you survived it. And you know... Uh, even after, if you answer a fifteen round, a twelve round boxing match, most boxers talk pretty yeah. well and articulately. Or an MMA, a UFC fight, I was like five round UFC fight. They don't usually show the effects of pain, really. To quote Cody's entrance uh, music, "Adrenaline is in their soul." Of course, but wrestling's all about selling. That was the thing that Mickey Rourke said that that was what was so hard to learn from his life of boxing. That a boxer's not supposed to convey any pain or discomfort at all. But for a wrestler, it's all about that. It's like every single amazing spot that you saw in that match, they were both up and doing another spot 30 seconds later. Yeah. That's the nature of the beast for what these are. But as you say, almost that's one of the ways that the multi-mans work, because someone only has to do like one or two big spots in a whole match, and then they can just lay down and recover for a bit when Sammy does the Jeff Hardy tribute swanton. That was so horrible as well. Like, ugh. Scary as fuck. But it didn't even have the satisfaction of the ladder or the table underneath breaking. So it's, it is just like, and JR says, I'm not sure who's better off from that. And it's kind of like, well, doesn't that just make Sammy look like an idiot? Well, he does say he's crazy before he jumps. Yes, that's true. That is true. A little Shawn Michaels homage there. Yeah. I think Cody is better off there because the ladder didn't break. But as a result, it makes Sammy's like experience far more worse. It's the bounce as well. Yeah, I mean, he lands right on his ass. I mean, it's incredible that he was, you know... Fine. I mean, again, as you say, adrenaline's a, a hell of a thing. Yeah. But, but also, there's enough there within Sammy Guevara's charisma and him knowing where the hard cam is to play to that suggests if and when his body's breaking down... He has the charisma, and, you know, he's a good-looking lad. No one's denying that. So he's, he looks like a star, and he looked like an even bigger star. And that is one thing I'll say about Cody. Whilst I say that so many of the guys, like, you, I suppose people that are of his level when they were in the WWE, your Andrades, your Brody Lees, your Malachi Blacks, don't come out looking better against Cody. The three of the four pillars he's faced off so far, they all came out the victors of their series. MJF won their feud. Darby Allen beat Cody for the TNT title. While Sammy had to lose it to Cody... He did get it back. And it's also, as they've kept pointing out, a rematch of the very first AEW yeah. Dynamite match. So this is Sammy going, finally, like, sort of dealing with his uh, Cody... I say, I say who did. They only had two matches, but it was Owen too. Well, I do wonder if you could do if you were to do a follow up to this, it could be Cody saying, "Yeah, but ladder's your terrain. When it's true wrestling, I still have your number." Yeah. So it could be a good way of like weirdly de-escalating it, but it being a different kind of story. And he does have the um, Fuego excuse as well. Like I did get distracted by Fuego de Sol. Yeah, but I think with those things, if it happens like within the middle, if it's not in the final stretch of the match, then it doesn't really He doesn't really have a leg to stand on. But it's the kind of thing a a facey heel might say. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, I mean, when do you... Well, we've already talked about it, so we don't need to go on about it. Let's just say Cody did a good enough job here. But I want... 
I I need a reinvention of the character now. And again, it's like I don't need, I don't need to see the point of Arn Anderson in this now because it's like, in what way is Arn Anderson like? What advice would Arn Anderson give someone in a ladder match anyway? Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't be to do what Cody does. I love Arn Anderson, but I don't think this role has suited him outside of the Glock promo. Get the Glock. And then him being feral outside Cody's house the next week, setting fire to things. But even then I just didn't I haven't seen an escalation in Cody's character to to reflect that. They had like a, a phase where he took him back to basics a little bit and then that was it. Yeah. But he doesn't wrestle any differently to what he was doing before then. No. I think Arn helps a lot with the other members of the Nightmare family. I don't want to say stable because they're not really a stable group. Like him with his son. Great example. Him with his son, him with Lee Johnson. It's very much like old pro training, like up and comers. What I saw of him, his son in the FTR match impressed me. Except for that little bit of a gut hanging out. I think uh, just switch to singlets, lad. You don't need to copy your dad all the way. Uh, well, the problem is he looks so much like his dad. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that hair's going yeah. imminently. <laughs> I, I said to him, said to him, enjoy it while it lasts. And he is taking that to the nth degree. I imagine he won't be like his dad, though, and it'll be like most men now who lose their hair and the close shave yeah, buzz cuts. Not that wispy thing that Arn rocked through. <laughs> Still to this day, I suppose. Yeah. But who's going to tell him it looks stupid? You. <laughs> yeah. So, as I've said, I'm not giving this five stars. How about you? No. No, I'm not giving this five stars. But I do think the there were steps taken in this match. No pun intended. Hey. Which could lead us to a better type of ladder match down the line. Um, or a different, different. Yeah, yeah type of ladder we, match down the line. I'm, I'm fed up of, I'm fed up of the same formula and I'm really starting to worry with AEW that we just get like is everyone going to have that lights out match with the thumbtacks and the blood and, and everything you know. Which again maybe that was like why things didn't pan out like in specific ways because on the same show there was a light at, lights out match between Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole so if you're the opener I know it's different because it's not a pinfall and submission match it's grabbing the title match but you you want to leave the guys some wiggle room who are going out later on don't you mm, mm. well yeah i mean this wasn't a, st- a feud of hatred this was like um this was a rivalry essentially this was cody representing a a step up again no pun intended for sammy like sammy's past a certain level now yes yeah when the first episode of Dynamite happened, and he wasn't, like, a true challenge to Cody. Yeah, he's had him getting the pinfall at Stadium Stampede 2 when he was the victim of the pinfall in Stadium Stampede 1. So he's already had that sort of bump in the road corrected. Him now get beating Cody and having a, a, a signature... Two signature moments, him like having the titles and that cutter in this match. He, he's on the rise. The whole inner circle thing is marooned at the minute. So Sammy as an individual getting these nice couple of moments is like, it's a good time to get them. I feel it's curious as well that whilst when he won it off of Miro, it was with the inner circle coming out to celebrate him with this one. It was just him and Fuego, wasn't it? Or did, 
It was just him on his own, which is fine. I, I absolutely understand that. Yes. Uh, to be fair, the inner circle were in action later on that night, so maybe yeah. you could have used it. What they were also, preparing. as you say, it was the opener, so it was kind of get in, get out, essentially. Yeah. Anyway, so they didn't have time to have the inner circle do the big post-match celebration. But this is obviously going to be, you know, I think by the end of this year, their plan, I imagine, would be that Sammy Guevara would be in a role that maybe he could be a potential pay-per-view world title. I mean, I would assume at some point this year on pay-per-view, he gets a big win over someone like Jericho. Yeah. That seems like the logical place to go with them sometime this year. At some point, they do need to face off against each other. Mm. You're quite right. Maybe even while still being members of the Inner Circle. I quite like the idea of Jericho being a, a heel... Saying it's all through love, like it's a dad trying to give someone tough love, like a like a better version of the Arn Anderson Cody Rhodes storyline. Yeah, that he says I'm doing all this as your friend. It can be like, does he really think that, or is that just him trying to affect him mentally mm. through jealousy? I'd that would be I'd quite like. To, oh, God, they should hire me to book. <laughs> I really should. I'd quite like to see that. I'd quite like to also see him interact. Especially with Danielson. I just want to see what those two could do in the ring together. Mm. Well, I think just seeing Danielson with anyone. Yeah, I know. That's kind of like just saying, I'd like to see something good, please. <laughs> when you talk yeah, about a yeah, match with Danielson. Yeah. Yeah. You know what would be good? If Paul Thomas Anderson directed a really good actor in a film. That's what I want to see. Call me crazy. <laughs> you know what would be really good? What? If you pass the ball to that Lionel Messi fella. <laughs> yeah. You know you know what would be really good? If that Daryl Strawberry hits a home run. <laughs> Some of these people just don't have the right attitude, Skip. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before we suffer from a run-in with the law for having a podcast that goes on too long, uh, have you got anything else you wanted to add to this? Uh, what I mean... <sighs> 2022 is the make or break year for this Cody character. I think if they don't do something truly memorable with a heel turn, then I think everyone will have given up on Cody, to be honest. And like these matches will be not even seen as worth the headache. He needs to do something big this year. I agree. Whether it's through this or they do something different down the line, I don't know. Let's see where the whole free agent storyline goes. Because they've obviously planted this story for a reason. Yeah. So, let's see where it goes. Ah, uh, ooh. Let's not get into fancy booking. No, no, I'm just thinking maybe that's the way they get around the sort of handicap they've already dug themselves into with Cody. Well, that he can't challenge for the world title. That's the one. If his contract's expired, then that, that stipulation can't still apply, maybe. I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's like a moral thing. I don't. I don't know. I'm not a legal expert, so I'm... No, uh, and maybe we could well, ask I... Smart Mark Sterling, but who knows? Mm. He's busy yeah. right now. He is. As are our listeners, so we won't waste much more of their time. Other than to say, our next episode, as we said before, is that we're going back to, let me tell you something's new miniseries of Silver Screen Visions, where we watch a film or TV show with a storyline dedicated to or involving pro wrestling and it's a tv comedy double header or double noggin knocker with south park's wtf 
And it's always sunny in Philadelphia as the gang wrestles for the troops. Oh, yes. So, assuming we have no more five-star matches in the interim, which can always happen, because Dave Meltzer chose to give this match five stars. Simon, if people want to get in touch with you with some suggestions for legal matters, how can they do so? They can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of vertebrae that Sammy could well have cracked when he did that swanton dive. My name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A at the end of Guevara. N at the end of American in American Nightmare. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you're putting out gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYSpod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Cada partícula de polvo que sea